are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things, but on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. On today's episode of Locked on Kentucky, we are going to be talking about one player that could change Kentucky's entire season if he were to play better. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Then we're also going to talk about the importance of a four-game stretch. We've talked about this a little bit recently. The Wildcats have four really important games coming up, and I don't want to sit here and say it's season-defining Right, but it definitely does feel that way, especially given the current trajectory of John Calipari's Cats. And then finally, I'm going to ask the question, how good is LSU? I want to take a brief dive into what they are right now before we have a full-on preview show tomorrow. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the show. It would mean a ton to us here as we continue to go closer and closer towards 3K. There is one player on this roster that I currently believe could change the entire trajectory of Kentucky season if he were to elevate his play. If you ask a random Kentucky fan out there, what do you think the biggest gap in the rotation is? Or what position do you think needs to improve their play as a whole? Not just one player, but the position. I think it would vary depending on what uh, fan you asked, but I think there is a, a majority consensus that the power forward spot or the four for Kentucky has not been living up to expectation. In fact, it's, it's definitely performed, I would say, underneath what even the average expectations would have been so far this year. Part of that is rotation based on what John Calipari has decided to do with that spot. And part of that is guys just didn't step up like they were expected to in the preseason. There is one player on this roster that would make this team so much better if he were to consistently night in and night out perform like he did against Louisville. And that's Jacob Toppin. I believe if Jacob Toppin were to elevate his play to where he was averaging, say, 15 a game, and maybe that's not the right way to phrase it here. Say, well, if he gets to this points per game average, then Kentucky's going to be so much better. But if he would get to that point where he was more consistent with a shot, he was able to do things on the defensive end consistent. And on top of that, I think if he continued to just be who he is, which is a very athletic stretch for, then Kentucky would find themselves having a lot more success in close games. Right now, I think this Wildcats roster is full of talent. Now, some of you out there may disagree with that. You may be going to the comments right now to reiterate what I've heard all of you say several times, which was, we have this player at this position, we have this player at this position, we have this guy here, this guy here. I do not care. We all have our differences about whether or not this team has talent at this point. Let's just write it out. But right now, I think that you would agree that Severe Wheeler being one of the best assist men in the country at his position is good. I think that you would agree that Cason Wallace, being as good as he is as a freshman, on and off the ball, is good. 
I think a lot of people would also agree that having a former five-star in Chris Livingston as one of your rotational players at the, at the three is great. And then also, you've got the national player of the year in your front court, and you've got a five-star to back him up. Two, actually. Three, actually, if you want to count Damian Collins and Uganda and Enzo. I think that this team is not void of talent, but at that four spot. Since Keon Brooks left, this team has now been hurting a little bit. Partially because they don't really know what to do with the rotation outside of Toppin. And we saw just a couple of games ago against Missouri, Toppin lost his starting spot altogether. He played 13 minutes, didn't make a shot. 0 of 2 from the floor, had three turnovers. You want to see more consistency from that position. Because it looks like throughout the season, that has been the thing that has weighed Kentucky down the most. I would say on the offensive end. Not having Keon Brooks' consistent pull-up mid-range jumper game has hurt. And that's kind of Jacob Toppin's thing too. Which is why I think after watching this Louisville game, you can start to say, okay, well maybe this Kentucky team does have a chance to beat some teams in SEC play. Some legitimate competition. I'm talking like going on the road four games from now and beating Tennessee and Knox, or, yeah, Knoxville. Now, I want to sit here and just kind of clarify my argument. Just because somebody dropped 24 points on Louisville does not mean that they're all of a sudden going to just explode onto the scene and become something special. I'm not saying that he's going to. I'm saying if he were to, because he shows the potential, right? And that game against North Florida, he had 20. That game against Gonzaga, he had 16. But Kentucky needs him to be what he has been and what he was last year, which was that mid-range pull-up guy who was very athletic, could do a lot of different things around the rim, and could jump out of the gym. Didn't mean to make that rhyme. That's two episodes in a row now where we've made something rhyme for no reason. I don't think that this Kentucky team is going to be terrible. Right? I'm not sitting here saying, well, if Jacob Toppin doesn't play good, then this season's just a lost cause. No, if the team doesn't play well, it's the team's fault. But what I'm saying is this individual effort from this position that has been weak, if it is elevated, this team will elevate along with it. As you go deeper into SEC play, things will start to change. And so let's hope Jacob Toppin, if he is able to kind of reestablish himself in the rotation, he also establishes some consistency along with it. The Wildcats need that. They need something like that right now. Because as it stands, it still hasn't changed, guys. This league slate is a dogfight. These next four games are going to be very important. I want to talk about the importance of what this could do to Kentucky season if they were to kind of struggle through this stretch. Before I do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And it's incredibly easy to create a free job post. You can add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. 
Finishing the year well is important, and finding the right team member to help you close out this kind of cycle here as we waited in 2023 could set you up for a really successful year. So it's simple, guys. LinkedIn Jobs helps you qualify, find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. And you can post your job for free over at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, continuing along here on the Monday edition of Locked On, Kentucky Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. So we talked about maybe getting Jacob Toppin to kind of boost the play here as the SEC slate really starts to kick it into gear. And as you look up the road, you don't have to look too far to find a very tough stretch of games. Now, if you've been a fan for a while, I'm sure that you checked out the schedule when it was released earlier this year. And I'm sure if you've been listening to this show for a while, you heard us note right out the gate that the beginning stretch of the SEC slate is very difficult. Nothing has changed. In fact, I would argue that it's almost worse considering that LSU, the upcoming opponent, who we will discuss later in the show, is actually, I would say right now, record-wise, better than what I think a lot of people anticipated. Now, how good are they? That's the question we're going to answer. But a 12-1 team is still a 12-1 team. You don't just happen upon 12-1. You did something to get there, regardless of how bad the competition was. So look at this four-game slate with me. At home against LSU. On the road against Alabama. At home against South Carolina. On the road against Tennessee. According to Ken Palm, two of those teams are ranked inside the top 10 nationally. And those two games, Kentucky is favored to win. They get a 33% chance in one of them. They get a 23% chance in the other. They are not favored to win either of those games by a very large margin. It's strange, considering the final score predictions Ken Palm has, because they have a five-point loss and an eight-point loss in those. And I'd like to think if, if you're projecting a game that you win only a quarter of the time, it would be a larger deficit than eight points on average, but maybe I'm not looking at it right. But thought, think about less about these games and more about where Kentucky is right now, mentally. Also, from a health perspective, C.J. Frederick is supposed to be out for a few weeks. And I don't mean to say this in a negative way, and congratulations to him for getting engaged recently. But I think that some people may question, you know, considering Cal had dropped his minutes off significantly, how much is that going to hurt the rotation with him gone, and how much is it going to hurt whenever he comes back? I'm not saying it's going to hurt while he's gone. It's going to hurt when he comes back. I'm, I'm, just, asking, I'm just asking questions here. Because I definitely think Kentucky can use all the depth they can get. Don't get me wrong. And have, to have a sharpshooter like Frederick is great. But he's not been performing up to expectation. And so now Kentucky gets an opportunity to kind of maybe try. They, they are now forced to maybe find some answers. And if they don't, then it's to, to their detriment, I guess. But... Right now, I think mentally, this team is at a crossroads. I don't think the wheels have fallen off the bus just yet. I think that you've got an opportunity here to reassert yourself. And I know that you went, what was it? Eight and four in conference play. You have a chance to really step things up 
Because you're Kentucky still. That's the thing I keep going back to. Sure, they may be 9-4, and four, but you know what they are? They're still top 15 in Kimpom. They're still in the top 25 right now. They have a chance to actually go out there and prove something. Now, whether or not they end up doing that, <laughs> I can't sit here and tell you, oh, they're going to go 4-0. and oh. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they're going to step up in a, in a massive way here. But again, I, I just I keep going back to the fact that this is this is still a Kentucky Wildcats team that has the opportunity to do something big. At home against LSU, winnable. On the road against Alabama, that's probably I'm gonna be honest with you. For some reason, Alabama scares me more than Tennessee. And I don't really know why I feel that way. I think it's more because Tennessee is less of an offensive threat. Now, they're really, really good on the defensive end. Don't get me wrong, best in the country. But it's just something about that Bama game. So I want to ask you guys a question. Over these next four games, LSU, Alabama, South Carolina, Tennessee, what's the record that the Wildcats put up? And then I want you to also tell me, how do you think it's going to affect their season? Because picture, picture this. If they go one in three, if they lose to LSU, Alabama, and Tennessee, they beat South Carolina. You are now all of a sudden one in four to begin the SEC slate. And you at that point would be what, 10 and eight? 10 and seven? I mean, you're looking at it all of a sudden going from a legitimate like NCAA tournament contender if you go three and one to all of a sudden like, whoa, we are in a, we are in a world of hurt right now. Because a lot of people start to complain about, oh, well, the future of this program with John Cowboy. Let's think about this year. (laughs) We're trying to go out there and make something happen this season. All of a sudden, those dreams would quickly be in jeopardy. So I I truly do believe that this is going to be a very important stretch for the Wildcats. And again, I don't want to say season-defining because that sounds a little too dramatic. They could lose all four of these games and they could win out. We don't know. But as it stands, once the smoke clears after that Tennessee game, I think you're going to have some more answers about what this Wildcats team is made of. And I don't necessarily know if it's a good or a bad thing that they get these these three really difficult opponents to begin the the, the SEC slate, including Missouri. Throw them in there because obviously Kentucky got whipped. It's going to be tough. And like I said, it starts with LSU. And that's the final question I want to get to on today's episode. How good are the LSU Tigers? Before I get to that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl seasons wrapping up. You can get college basketball, obviously. They've got it all over there at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. They are the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action that is bet online where the game starts. All right, wrapping up the Monday edition of Locked On, Kentucky Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. The question we wanted to get to, how good are the LSU Tigers? Now, I believe on yesterday's show, we briefly talked about LSU. But I don't think we clearly put an emphasis on what this team is made of right now. 
So I want to run down a couple points here. Strength of schedule was something that we casually noted. I said, oh, it's really, really bad. Like, really bad. They played nobody. But I didn't actually follow up on what that meant. So, I would like to take you through their best wins of the season. So far this year, LSU has played three teams inside the top 90 on Ken Palm. That was Kansas State, Wake Forest, and Arkansas. They lost to Kansas State by three at a neutral court. They beat Wake Forest by two in a neutral court. Wake Forest is 88. They're the lowest ranked team of that group. And then they beat Arkansas by three at home. And something that I did not note about that victory was the fact that Arkansas was down their two best players. Their two best players were hurt, and they did not play. So, I think it's pretty clear. The schedule for, the, for LSU has been pretty weak outside of that. They opened the year with four straight teams that were ranked 243rd or worse in the nation. And I, I, I don't know if that resonates with you, just how poor of a start that is. And LSU, look, if I'm not mistaken, they had a similar thing happen last year. They have, they're not consistently like in big games to begin the, the non-con slate, right? I don't know why that is. I guess they still are, are okay with it. But it was not pretty. <laughs> it was not pretty. And they were winning. And to be honest with you, most of the games that they won weren't in pretty fashion. They beat Wofford by three. They beat UT Arlington by four. They beat East Tennessee State by four. They only beat Arkansas State by 11. No, they beat them by nine. I'm sorry. They beat UMKC by nine. Just not a lot of big wins on the schedule so far for the LSU Tigers. And then you start to dive into the efficiency numbers. They're 103rd nationally in offensive adjusted efficiency. They're 58th in defensive adjusted efficiency. Now, I think those two things tell you something. Again, I want to go back to this schedule so far has been really weak for LSU. And the fact that they're only on the edge of the top third nationally in offensive adjusted efficiency, what does that tell you? It tells you that they are not good offensively as a whole, and once they start to play some more difficult competition, they're going to struggle. This is why they only scored 59 against Kansas State, 70 against Wake Forest, 50, or excuse me, 60 points against Arkansas. What are they going to do against Kentucky? Right now, Kim Palm says they score 63. And to be honest with you, that's a little low if you go and actually like take a look at the matchup of this game. But that's reasonable. You could say the same thing for the defensive end, right? You could say, well, the defense has been okay so far this year. It's not been elite, but it's been good. It's been solid. But again, really, really weak slate. What do we know about LSU? What have they proven other than the fact that they can beat bad teams? Now, that in and of itself, I think, is a good thing, right? Because there are some teams so far this year that have talented rosters that even against the bad teams have struggled and sometimes lost. So the fact that they've been able to put it put together 12-1 and one so far this year is great. But again, I want to reiterate, how worried should we be, especially considering this game's at Rupp and Kentucky's coming off of a massive win, albeit against a bad team? Momentum, mental positivity, starting to see maybe a, a sign of things changing. 
Getting two games in a row where you see that happening would be great. And I just want to sit here and tell you guys, LSU, I think, has a great coach in Mac McCann. I think they, they, are, they are solid, set up well for the future. But this team this year, I don't know if they're necessarily going to be crazy special. And on top of that, they have a brutal schedule to back it up. Right now, they're projected to go 19-12. and 12. Start the year 12-1, and 1, finish 19-12. and 12. Kim Palm thinks at one point they will have an eight-game losing streak in the SEC and throw in the Texas Tech game in there as well. Final thing I want to note about LSU, after I reiterate the fact, through 13 games, LSU has played three teams inside the top 90 on Kim Palm. Kentucky, everybody wants to say, well, their non-consulate's not that fantastic. Some people, mistakenly so, go and look at the actual, actual schedule. Can't believe anybody would make that claim. Kentucky's played six teams in the top 90. Albeit they haven't won consistently against them, but at least they've played them. At least they understand what that type of team looks like. And now that we're starting to see maybe some things get put together, hopefully, uh, maybe they're better, better off for it. Three transfers came from Murray State with McCann. Three transfers. K.J. Williams, Justice Hill, Trey Hannibal, Derek Fountain, if I'm not mistaken, was a transfer from Mississippi State. Uh, I may be wrong on that. KJ or Tevin Brown also, if I didn't mention him, was also a transfer from Murray State. So they got a lot of players on their roster that were just simply, you know, mainstays for the for the um for the racers. And so how well does that translate into SEC play? Well, they were pretty darn good last year, 31-3 and three in the OVC. But I just don't know. I just don't know. Something does not tell me that this team is going to be elite. And it would take a good team to go into Rupp and to play better than what they suggested and actually beat the Wildcats. I hope you can kind of see where I'm leaning for tomorrow's game. I want to break down some of these individual players. I want to talk about what they do well, what they don't do well on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Kentucky. So please make sure you are tuned in for that one. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, though. Hey, you can follow me on Twitter at LanceDell underscore. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. Follow the show also on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the YouTube comments below. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and God bless.